the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Hello, everybody. <laughs> we are fiddling with the buttons here. Greetings. Welcome aboard for the Bible Live broadcast. This is going to be a very special time. We are finishing the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament. Can we can we say thank you to everyone who pulled themselves away from the Super Bowl? To- we certainly can say thank you. For those of you who pulled away, uh, and for those of you who are going to pull away as soon as they're settled, I guess. I don't know. But uh, we're glad to be here with you. The Gospel of Mark uh, has been our book for the last couple of weeks. We've been reading through the Gospel of Mark, this second of the four Gospels in the New Testament, written by a young man named John Mark. We've talked about him, who he was. He essentially writes uh, the memoirs or the perspective of the Apostle Peter is is what is thought. Uh, John Mark is... He's there in the biblical narrative. He's there in the New Testament. He probably, his uh, leaders, they met in her home for uh, a certain number of the congregation. You remember in the book of Acts when Peter was arrested and put in prison. And then an angel appeared, released him. He was released and uh, to his great astonishment. And then he went to the home of a woman named Mary. Uh, And they were astonished as well. You remember the story in the book of Acts where the young servant girl named Rhoda uh, answered the door, and they'd been praying for Peter to be released from prison. Rhoda answered the door, and there's Peter. Peter, and she gets so excited and so overwhelmed by the experience that she leaves Peter standing at the door and runs back to tell everybody, hey, Peter is out of prison. You know, God answered our prayer. Uh, It's a very, I think, comical, right? I mean, a very human experience at taking place. But uh, what I wanted to say, though, is that house was the house of a woman named Mary, and that was John Mark's mother. So this young man that we talk about here, John Mark, and the writer of this gospel, uh, is there in the life experiences, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when uh, Jesus identify him in that way to the Roman soldiers that were with him. Uh, and they arrested Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the people ran for cover. We read, we read about that here in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, the disciples that were with Jesus 
fled into the night, into the darkness, away from the soldiers. They arrested Jesus, and they grabbed a hold of one young man uh, to arrest him, but he, he, he wrestled his way away from the soldier who grabbed him, uh, and, and in doing so, he, he just tore out of his clothes. In other words, they grabbed his coat or jacket or his robe, and instead of getting caught, he just shucked his clothing and ran off into the darkness without uh, without his clothes on. <laughs> I guess in his own, just in his underwear or something. I don't know, but he ran into the darkness, and we tell the story is told right there in the Gospel of Mark, and um, it is thought, it is believed uh, that that was indeed John Mark. That, that this young man who wrote this got embarrassed about it. I don't know. But uh, so John Mark is there. He's he's around it. He's in it. He's a believer. He's a follower of, of Jesus. Uh, and and he is writing from the perspective of of um, Peter. Now, he does have a run in later and you'll read about John Mark in the gospel of and the book of Acts, not the gospel, but the book of Acts as well, because he went with uh he went with uh, the Apostle Paul on his first missionary journey, but then he turned away. He 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 left. I, we don't know if it was a, a matter of nerves or priorities, and maybe he had to get back home to his family. We don't know what it was, but he left the group. He left the missionary tour, the first missionary tour of Paul, and returned home. So when it came time to get together the team that was going to go out on the second missionary journey, um, Paul did not want to take John Mark with him. He he objected to including John Mark in the group, and so uh, he, he didn't get to make that trip with Paul. But Barnabas picked him up. Uh, remember, Barnabas is the one that actually was was. The Apostle Paul himself, when he was converted after his uh, conversion on the road to Damascus, it was Barnabas who took him in and, and the church of Antioch and and kind of stood up for him and gave him his backing and his encouragement and spent time with him, discipling him. Uh, and so Barnabas is really a key person behind the scenes, uh, a discipleship person. And uh, he is one who takes John Mark under his wings as well. And later on, it is, we tell in, in one of the letters from Paul, Paul says, send John Mark to me because he, he, would, he is useful to me. And so there was evidently a reconciliation. There was a, they made peace, and Paul came back around to trusting John Mark and valuing his contribution. Very, very interesting life experience. But then here we have John Mark, somewhere between 65 and 72 um, A.D. He wrote before the um, he wrote his uh, gospel before the destruction of Jerusalem, uh, but after uh, after Peter, uh, if Peter had been after Peter's um, in in. Um, was put in imprisonment in Rome. So that narrowed it down to somewhere between 65 and, and 72 
uh, A.D. So that's when this gospel, one of the earlier, uh, earliest of the gospels. I had an experience, and Stacy is on the line with me, by the way. Stacy, how Hello, are you, dear? Yes. Good to hear from you. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm I good. Got, I know. I, I got to go in no, there. No, it's great. I, well, <laughs> I, I don't know if you knew about this, Stacy. Before you were born, Stacy is my daughter, as all of you know. And uh, our two older sons were born in Spain. My wife and I were uh, on staff with Campus Crusade in Spain for many years and back in Texas. She's our Texan <laughs> gal. But, mm-hmm. Stacy, there in Spain, I met a man in Barcelona who was a professor at the, the at the, um, there's a seminary or, or an English-speaking uh, school there in Barcelona and David Estrada was his name, and Estrada was uh, was a scholar, Doctor Estrada, and he was also an um, archaeologist. He had a great interest in in the uh, documents, the original documents. And this was a uh, after it wasn't. Uh, this was back in the seventies, but it, it wasn't that many years after the discovery of the Qumran um, documents. Yeah. You remember the. Um, what they call the Dead Sea Scrolls. And those, some people don't know how those work when you discover scrolls like that from the antiquity. Uh, these were discovered at the southern end of the uh, Dead Sea, and they they contained great portions of the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, and so on. And they brought our, our understanding of the Scriptures forward by about a, a little over a thousand years. They so it was everybody had tremendous interest in what they would say. Uh, for example, there was an in, a total copy, a, a copy of the entire book of Isaiah. And people were wondering, well, wow, will it be different? Will it be changed? Because a lot of a lot of uh, critics of the scripture say, oh, it was written by people. And it was changed over the years. You can't depend on it. And and of course, a great deal of interest. OK, here we've got another document. The book of Isaiah, written a thousand over a thousand years later, would it be? Would it prove the accuracy and the consistency of the scriptures, or would it prove that they were changed radically and and so on? Well, it, it proved almost word for word. It was an exact yeah. copy a thousand years later. Uh, on the only things that have changed were some of the. Some of the writing, some of the ways, some of the names were written. Of course, names, some language changes a bit like that. But it was a tremendous um, support to those who believe in the fidelity and the reliability. I was going to say about that, though, is that uh, the way they do that is they they took the documents from the from the caves, and there were scholars and archaeologists there in Jerusalem that kept them. And they, what they do then is they deal with them, physically deal with them. Uh, they they use chemicals and, and a lot of scientific methods to to get the scrolls and get the the, the documents to come apart. To, and then they they photograph the documents and they photograph all of these fragments. And then those fragments are uh, the photographs are those are distributed. Around the world, there are scholars, archaeologists, and biblical scholars and linguistic scholars who take those pieces of those fragments and who study this fragment come from. What what portion of scripture? Or and of course, there were other documents as well. I, they, I think there were some writings from the Essenes uh, and so on. 
but the, one of these, uh, all of these were already dated uh, quite quite early, uh, um, previous to being uh, uh, to being identified. But one, uh, there was a doctor, a Spanish uh, professor, archaeologist there in Barcelona, th- that works at this, uh, not the Sagrada Familia, but the um, La 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 La. Mm, Oh, I've forgotten the word. Something la 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 Madonna Negra, something like that. But anyway, he he got he was one who received an allotment of these documents, and he studied them. And what they have to do, uh, the the documents he was studying were in Greek, and what they have to do is that it's only a fragment. You know, it's only got the portion of maybe two or three lines and maybe four or five words. It's a fragment from a, and what they have to do is to try to remember from their understanding of the New Testament scripture words, in the in the, the together in these lines, and they try to de- identify where did this portion of scripture, where did this portion, this fragment come from, from what book, and so they generally, of course, they were looking only at uh, Old Testament text, Old text, Old Testament. Um, uh, references because it was thought that all of these came from the Old Testament. Clearly, that if it came from the New Testament, it would be unbelievably incredible. I mean, it would be possible, but it would be just amazing because that would mean we found one of the earliest copies of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. You know, without a doubt, all could basically could almost be the original one. And this this professor there in Barcelona in Catalonia, uh, in Catalonia discovered this fragment and and I have a, the book with the picture of it in there. It's just an amazing thing. Wow. The book is titled "The First New Testament," so you get the idea from the title of, of Dr. Estrada's book that they from the Gospel of Mark, actually, which mm-hmm. was considered was thought to be the first of the four Gospels written. And in uh, and the, the Greek words line up perfectly with a certain text in the Gospel of, of Mark. You can, you can look up the book. It's called um, The First New Testament by Dr. David Estrada. And it, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll, it'll have the picture of the fragment and the word meanings and so on in the story of it. It's, it's quite an interesting. But Mark, of course, is one of the earliest, uh, the earliest of the four Gospels, the first written. And we've already talked about the author, the timing of it, uh, and and essentially the theme of the Gospel of Mark. Do you, do you remember? Do you recall, Stacy? You want to take over and tell a little of the background of the book yeah. itself? Well, sure, uh, or a little of the kind of the overarching theme, I guess, of it. But I also really wanted quickly to say you would you would have thought, <laughs> and this is kind of silly, but. Uh-huh. Being one of the first written, you would have thought he could have claimed John as the Gospel of John. <laughs> but that was very kind of him to let John have the Gospel of John and he be the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, and in a way, that's that sort of a, the theme I, of <laughs> John who gets Mark. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, uh, but that's very, and that he took Mark. I mean, this is, I, I'm sure it didn't happen like this, and who knows who actually dubbed it Mark, but uh-huh. or when it was. But, um, but that is a little bit of a theme of the Gospel of Mark is the uh, aspect of Jesus as a servant king. And so um, Mark really emphasizes that role as, I mean, he is king, 
And on first, maybe impulse, you might imagine, and many did, Mm -hmm. that this king would come and conquer, and he would, and and how he would conquer might be in battle, or you know, coming and taking um, over from the Romans, or freeing them in that way. Um, And he does free them. A military or a political authority or kingship, right? Is the idea right? Right. Right, and that would be the way to conquer, and yet Jesus, uh, as he serves and as he loves and as he puts others first, mm. and uh, and it, and you see that throughout the Gospel of Mark and how Mark emphasizes the humanity, the human aspect of Jesus and his role um, as Messiah and his role as King, as a as a fully human man as as a, as a servant to others and um and it's yeah it's really beautiful it's a great and and that he wrote i that first amongst the gospels uh i think is just a, also a, a sweet um in terms of his life that that really must have been what stood out and what really was the emphasis and what drew people to jesus um, his healing ministry, his ministry to people, um, and not so much, I mean, yes, of course, his teachings and his sermons were unparalleled. I mean, yeah. he, was, he was full of wisdom, full of scripture, um, but he was also not all theory. He was very a ministry of relationship and of healing. And um, yeah, so it's a, it's just a, a great gospel, and I think it falls. It's very uh, typical of maybe a gospel written by John Mark, who just lets John have John and him be Mark. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if, he, if they were buying over John, be, but yeah, you, uh, you right. You would right. think that Mark would have gotten if he wrote his first. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, you know, John. But, uh, I believe, if I understand correctly, Mark is his Greek name and john was his okay. hebrew name if i you do wonder okay you be john i'll be mark right. <laughs> right but i'm going to be john mark <laughs> okay yeah uh, yeah that that's interesting well that is exactly right john mark uh, who who writes specifically uh, the the from the perspective of peter and remember mm-hmm. uh, peter's um experiences with jesus peter was you know peter I, I think it reflects, in some measure, it reflects a problem that Peter had and that so I, I'm presuming mm-hmm. that even the followers of Jesus, even his disciples, uh, I suspect that the Gospel of Mark reflects to some degree their struggle with the idea of, of Jesus. And um, there was a real struggle with, okay, what... I- what is this Messiah all about? Remember, uh, even here in the Gospel of Mark, and it's recorded in some of the other Gospels as well, at, some po- at one point Jesus asked his followers, who do, do men say that I am? And they said, well, some think you're Elias, some think you're this prophet, that one, this one. Some think you're John the Baptist, returned from the dead. or what? And, and he said, okay, but who do you say that I am? And, and Peter you know, just speaks right up. That you are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. You are the Christ, uh, and and so they got that. And yet, it he turns right around 
and and, and almost the next sentence right. or the next experience. And he says, oh, no, you can't go to the cross. You can't go there and be arrested. You can't be crucified. Yeah. You can't. Th- there's this struggle they're having with, yeah. okay, we, we know, we know just we've been around this guy. We've w- walked with him. We've lived with him. We've, we've told stories around the campfire. We've seen him preach and we've seen him touch uh, children and young boy. And, and we've seen him raise people from the dead. Uh, the, the, you know, the, that, was, that was the only group that Jesus was unpopular with besides the Pharisees, I guess, was the undertakers. So they, they, he, interrupted too, <laughs> he interrupted too many funerals for them. But, but the point is, is that they had seen him. And so they knew they knew his identity, but they did not understand yet quite the role of the Messiah. Right. And, and that's where that's where. Peter right. was able to say, "You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God." So it's there in the Scriptures that the that the right. the Messiah would come, that the Messiah would suffer, be rejected, mm-hmm. uh, and even die. And yet they 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 did not get it until until after I think probably it was after they ran into the empty tomb and they and he appears among them. Then they begin to oh yeah. okay because at one point I remember there's a verse that says. And they wondered what he meant by that phrase, right, I will rise from the dead. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I remember one of my questions, right. one of my questions here for our, uh, it's on our website, thebiblelive.com. Uh, one of the questions was, what, what, what do you think, Jesus, how would you misunderstand those words? I, I think we're a little hard on the <laughs> disciples, though, Stacy. don't you think? I mean, really? Here would, yeah. of course, we're looking with all of this hindsight. We know that the Messiah yeah. did indeed rise. He rose from the dead. He physically rose out of the grave. He ascended to the Father. We have that, but for them, that would, I mean, they. I'm, I can imagine them thinking, "What did he mean by that?" I mean, surely he right. didn't mean he's actually going to come out of the grave. I mean, but he, he must have had some kind of a philosophical or some kind of a spiritual meaning for that, you know, instead of. Instead mm-hmm. of him actually rising, and so uh, they they struggle with these uh, in the same way that somewhat we do. Although we have the we have the witness of the scripture of what really happened. He really meant it. He's going to come out of the grave physically, bodily, rise from the dead, and and that his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom, uh, not of this world, but his is a kingdom of, of love, a kingdom of goodness, of righteousness, and an eternal kingdom to be with him. Uh, forever it's a spiritual dimension of life that we are a part of here spiritual life with with god and with christ and yet we're going to go on to live even after death we're going to go on to be with god again and we do know and believe that from the scriptures that we indeed will be also resurrected bodily resurrected reunited our spirit reunited with our body and soul and that um that's a reality and of course all of that is part of the Gospel of Mark because Mark is talking about the reality. If God became a man, what what would he have been like? And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight as we explore the Gospel of Mark. We'll finish it up, and then we'll, at the end of our program, we'll introduce the book of Joshua. It was, I think it was, I think it was Friday. We returned to the Hebrew Scriptures. We ended the book of Mark, and. Um, 
has 16 chapters. And then we went back and picked up with the first five tap chapters of the book of Joshua. So we'll we'll go back and find the children of Israel still parked on the east side of the Jordan. And uh, we will go with them now as they leave Moses behind. They've had 30 days of mourning his death. And now they will go on into the promised land under the leadership of this man named Joshua. So that's what we're going to cover tonight and discuss. You can join us. We invite you to join us here on the Bible Live broadcast, 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll put out some questions that hopefully will pique your interest and uh, maybe get some of you to take uh, who was Jesus and uh how did how much did Jesus know and when did he know about himself? How did he discover? How did he know that he was the Messiah, the Son of God? We'll come back and face that question together here on the Bible Live broadcast. Don't dare go away. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Takes you back to Sunday school and vacation Bible school, right, Stacy? <laughs> it does. That's great. I love uh, it, John. Good. Good choice. Good yeah. choice as always. Another <laughs> success. Well, listen, we're back. We're going to talk about the Gospel of Mark. We're talking about this question. Uh, I, I brought it up last week, but you weren't along with me last week, Stacy. So I lacked the dynamic of your presence with me, and you were greatly missed. You really were. But you needed Aww. a little mama needed a little, little little rest last weekend. A little but, rest, uh, and you all were very gracious to let me. Thank you. <laughs> we were we were glad to do so, honey. We, you did great, but you were missed. And I I wanted to, we, we talked last week about the in some measure we see it is it is part of the experience of the of the uh, disciples even even those who uh believed in jesus and grew to love him and grew to trust him and and followed him it, it was really hard for them to come to grips with this idea that here is a person a human being wh- whom they could definitely identify with and and you know they ate together. Like I said, they camped out together. Yeah. They told stories. They were they friends. Were, they were mm-hmm. friends. They were involved in the, uh, Peter's 
mother-in-law, which means that Peter was married. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, they were involved in each other's lives. They shared in, um, experiences together. Uh, I, I, that's one of the reasons I really like that, that series that is on. And now, if you're listening to our program tonight and you have not discovered, uh, what is that series, Stacy? that we like so much? That, uh, the Chosen. You like, yeah, The Chosen. The, cho- mm-hmm. the, the Chosen. chosen. Is that yes. what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it's a very it's a very interesting series about the life and ministry of Jesus, and particularly the relationship he had with his disciples, with those who followed him. And the series, because one, it seems to be very firmly based in this, the scriptures and the experiences of the scriptures, and the relationships that the men had, and, and what we have been able to discover from scripture, and to sum together, putting connecting dots about each of the individuals and and you get the idea you see you kind of go through their struggles with how they discover Jesus how they come to meet him Jesus of Nazareth how they they see these elements these aspects of his life that are that are plainly supernatural that are plainly unknown that was it was the Hebrew scriptures are full of healings. You know, Isaiah, the Jeremiah, the prophets, and others experienced mm-hmm. healing, and and and, and uh, God empowered them to to use that as an instrument of revelation in and through their lives. So it was not entirely foreign to them, but but they struggled with this idea of what kind of if God did become a man, what would we expect Him to do? And of course, as you mentioned earlier. There was such a a hot political environment and a military environment with the control over the land by the Roman. uh, To a great degree, the role of the Messiah was interpreted entirely militarily, politically, that he would deliver them Mm -hmm. from this uh, this foreign power. And it was, and of course, it was very ethnocentric. They had become very Mm -hmm. um, thought of themselves, and they had reduced. The kingdom of God and the redemptive plan of God down to them and their role as a people group, and they forgot. It seems they seem to have forgotten, to some degree, that whole idea that that Israel was a bigger thing than just them, and it was bigger than just right. any people group. Go ahead. Which is somewhat understandable. I mean, it, it, because I mean, you think of. From I mean from Egypt and their early on stories. I mean God it is kind of the story of God preserving them as a nation group. And uh, but you're right, they forgot the bigger picture of all, all along, all that time. The bigger picture was though for the rest of for the world. For but you can understand yeah. how they might have thought that okay, this is going to uh, rescue us from the Romans or from you know. And uh, and right. you know not really no no this is, this is it this is what it was all along what it was for for him to rescue the world um, for him yeah and it, it's really once they understood I mean you can see how it just absolutely took off and, yeah once they got um, it it was like oh yes. yeah no. oh. <laughs> the, the eyes were right. opened it, it was very very sure. interesting yeah without a doubt uh, that. Yeah. It, it, and even in the Hebrew scriptures, I mean, we c- clearly we want to be we want to be generous and kind and non-judgmental because 
I mean, I know good and well that I learned about Jesus very young and came to know and love him at seven, eight, nine, ten years of age. And yet still through my life, I mean, there, there was this growing oh, yeah. awareness of who he is and what he, his greatness, his love, his kindness and, and what it means to follow him. I mean, I'm still learning to this day, many, many years later after that. Yeah. And so we kind of have to give them extend grace and forgiveness and patience to them in a sense, because we're talking about something here. Like, I mean, we're talking about a man coming out of the grave, you know, I mean, I mean, that's, that's just, we, we think about it a little bit more today as believers because, because we know about Jesus that he did indeed come out of the grave, but, but it's not an easy thing to, to hear those words. I mean, if you've really, been in the world very long and if you've really known the reality of death you've you've lost a family member you've lost a close friend you've been close to, you've been in war perhaps you've seen death or maybe you've seen an accident i remember uh I, when I, I was very young when the woman that i thought was my mother as it turns out she wasn't my biological mother but she's the one who rescued me from abandonment as an infant uh, she died, and I, I had just become a believer uh, when she died. Only a few months before, I had, uh, I was seven or eight years old, and I had um, bowed in prayer and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and life, to become my Savior, and to be to become a child. Of, I wanted to be a child of God, and and so I had made that decision, and I knew what I did. I, I was very serious about it. Uh, and then a few months later, this lady was killed in a car accident that I, the lady I thought had been my birth mother, but okay. it turns out mm-hmm. years later she was not. But I went to her funeral, and believe it or not, I remember at her funeral, I, it was first funeral I'd ever attended, of course, as a, as a young kid. And I went, mm-hmm. and when you know, when you go toward the end of the service, we pass by the coffin to. The, to view the body of the deceased. Oh, and I remember yeah. when I went by, her name was Babe Hawk, and I went by my, and that, yeah, it's true, my mother was a babe. <laughs> but I went by the, <laughs> Princess I went by the, Babe Hawk. Yeah, I went by the, Princess Babe Hawk was her name, and I went by, mm-hmm. and and I looked, and I'd heard, of course, I'd read in the Bible story times and so on at the, at the boys' ranch, at the orphanage, that Jesus mm-hmm. raised people from the dead. So I, I looked into the at her in, in the coffin, and I said under my breath, "In the name of Jesus Christ, rise." Oh, I did, wow. I did. And, oh. and, and it didn't. It didn't happen, of course. And right. I, su- I suppose oh. I was disappointed, but in the other, on the other hand, I probably figured I didn't do something right, or you know, <laughs> or. I think my my final theory was that well, if Jesus had raised her from the dead, there'd been there'd have been about twenty or thirty more heart attacks in the room. So, so it was a kind of a judgment. <laughs> so he didn't want to, wasn't ready to take mm, home that many sure. people. Yeah, a little trade off, all right. But anyway, the whole point is is that this idea that you know, we, we I I guess we hear a little more open mindedly and so on to the idea of rising from the dead, but. But so we can, I can have a little patience with Peter and James and John and all them when they, when they don't quite. I wonder what he meant by that. He's going to rise from the dead, you know. In a way, I say, well, what part of that do you not understand? And, and on the other hand, I, I, you know, and, and that's the whole point of the Gospel of Mark. I think one of the points, at least, is that 
Jesus, this one who is God incarnate, God himself, the creator of the universe, took on flesh. And and, uh, the Gospel of John says that the word became flesh and dwelled among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as Mm -hmm. of the only begotten of the Father. So, uh, you know, this is them finally getting it and expressing it. But uh, they they had to struggle with that identity. And, And I think a lot of people today, even Stace, wonder about okay we a lot of people kind of have a fairy tale or a super religious view of Jesus and they we we kind of have a i don't know how to say it we we've never really struggled with the idea okay who who was Jesus what did he know and when did he know it how did Jesus come to know how did Jesus come to understand that he mm-hmm. was the Messiah, that that he, and then, uh, of course, we get a picture of, uh, he quotes scripture, even in the Gospel of Mark here, and, and in the other Gospels as well, he quotes scriptures that helps us to, under, he presents to the Pharisees a scriptural argument that to be the Messiah, the Messiah had to be divine, the, 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 the Messiah had to be God himself. And he quotes right. from one of the Psalms where where David says, uh, and Lord. Uh, mm-hmm. the Lord and the Lord said to my Lord, you know, and that sort of the, mm-hmm. I, I forget what that is. And I think Psalm eighteen he quotes from, it, but he uses that to talk about the fact that that the Messiah is God, and he did claim mm-hmm. indeed to be the Messiah, and that's why Paul, uh, Peter was so right when he said, "Thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the Living yeah. God." Uh, and, mm-hmm. and and Jesus makes that argument. He knows he is the Messiah, but he also knows he is divine. But my question, I think even for our listeners tonight, I'd like for our listeners to call in and uh, give me a, a thought about when did Jesus learn? I mean, he, he's a tiny little infant. He's a baby. I mean, he's a He's a baby. He's a child in his mother's womb, and then he's born, and then he's a toddler, and and so on. He's two years old, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. By age twelve is the first time we see him, where he actually expresses uh, his identity. Uh, Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? And he's not talking about Joseph working in the uh in the, in the wood shop he's he's talking about my heavenly father i must be about his business so he calls god his father he he already has a strong sense of his identity at age 12 and then of course 18 years later somewhere around age 30 is when he launches his ministry presenting himself to israel uh, primarily to the people of israel as the messiah and um and then, of course, identifying the role and the purpose and the role of the Messiah as being divine, as being redemptive, and and, and presenting himself, and knowing that he's going to die and re- be resurrected. So in all of that experience, the question comes up, how did Jesus learn? How did Jesus become aware that he was the Messiah, that he was a, indeed God incarnate? How did it happen when did he, it, was there just one instantaneous moment or was there a growing? We do know that Jesus learned and grew in grace and knowledge of the Lord. We were told that in the Gospel of Luke, at least. 
that he had a growing experience. We also are told in several portions of Scripture that there were things that Jesus didn't know. Uh, they ask him, when will these things take place? When are, when are you going to establish your kingdom? And he says, that's not given to the Son. It's not been given to me to know that. Only the Father knows that. Mm-hmm. And so we 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 can't say clearly and definitively that Jesus was omniscient in his earthly experience uh, because he he himself admits to not knowing. Uh, so the point is, is that we have, to, I think, to have a, 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 an accurate and mature and, and true picture of who was this man, Jesus of Nazareth? Who was this, our Savior? What was his experience? A lot of people think that Jesus was like... Um, Clark Kent, that you know the the Clark Kent theory that he was Superman. He knew he was Superman. He knew he could bullets wouldn't hurt him and nothing would, and yet he still went around in this suit and you know made you know acted kind of dumb and and so on and wore glasses and like his eyesight was poor. Uh, and the point is, is that Jesus was just acting like a man, limited, but he truly always knew. He, he was got always right. omniscient, always omnipotent, always, and but that's not the picture that we get from the Gospel of Mark. We see uh, a real man, uh, uh, a man who grew tired, a grew a man who touched base with people, real people, and so on. Um, uh, uh, you know, he he. I, I've come to think of Jesus now as as the perfect man of faith. He had to live, and we're told clearly in the scriptures, he had to live out a total experience like a man. He had to live by faith. He trusted God. And Jesus himself says in the Gospel of John, at least, I can do nothing of my own self, of my own initiative, my own prerogative, my own uh, identity as God. I, I only do, I limit myself, I'm limited to do what God the Father instructs me, guides me, enables me to do. So he lived by faith. He was walking constantly under the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. We mentioned last week that after his baptism, the Holy Spirit, it says, drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. The Holy Spirit is guiding his life, and Jesus was trusting by faith, trusting in the guidance and the control of the Holy Spirit of God the Father over his life. And he walked out the role of the perfect man of God, the Messiah, by faith. He was a the perfect man of faith, and and then, on the basis of his faith, he walked voluntarily, knowingly and voluntarily, to his own death. He knew he was going to Jerusalem, on this final trip that we read about this week. He knew he was going to Jerusalem, that he was going to be arrested, that falsely accused, that he was going to be crucified, uh, turned over to the Romans and crucified, and that he would rise from the dead, and and he knew that. By faith, it is my, I, I'm, I'm convinced Jesus was the perfect man of faith, and he did it all. He did it all voluntarily, willingly. He says, no man takes my life from me. I willingly give it up. Uh, I go to my death willingly because he understood that was, that was his role. That was, his, that was why he had come. And it was, it was kind of topping off that whole idea of his role was not political it was not military 
His role, his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom, and he came to purchase the spiritual redemption and give eternal life to all who would trust in him and bring them into uh, that relationship with the eternal uh, God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Uh, so it's... Um, I, I like the, the Gospel of Mark beautifully. I, I think it is very human and very uh, very common. Uh, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Stacey, <laughs> your perspectives as you've kind of you've kind of hearing things like this from your old dad from a lot of years. And <laughs> I'm sure uh, are, are, are you uh, I'm sure you you guys, as I've explained things to you over the years, or sometimes you go, hmm, I wonder if dad's gone off his rocker. Is <laughs> <laughs> Well, no. Um, what's interesting is that even knowing that he fully, and knowing that it had to be that way, that he is fully man and fully God, uh-huh. um, even knowing that that's the case, it's, it is still a it's a lifelong of wrapping my brain around that, yeah. around it's, that, it's and trying to understand that. It doesn't remove the mystery and the beauty of the mystery. At all. I'm not right, trying to and do it is that. something. Right, and it is. You're right. It's something that you can chew on, and think about. Um, even just recently, you know, I I was thinking about that, and you have talked about that a lot, and how that was very meaningful to you when it really kind of sunk in Mm -hmm. and you understood the faith that it took, the faith that Jesus had to walk by Mm -hmm. and trusting that what Mary told him about his life is true in that gradual kind of revelation and and how that faith built over his lifetime. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he had to believe it as a young boy based on what his parents told him and he grew more and more into that the more and more he walked by faith, the more and more his faith grew. But um, and he knew the, and the more revelation he had, and, and he script, knew the yeah. scriptures absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, and even when you've, you know, you've kind of told me, and we've talked about that for years, and even recently, I realized, you know, when I think of Jesus and being born, I, I must admit, I kind of have this idea that. Jesus and God, you know, had this conversation and this agreement before he came here. It was like, okay, are you okay to do this? And and that somehow <laughs> Jesus, when he was here, remembered that he this was his mission or that this was his. And I yeah. and I just you know know that I mean maybe that kind of conversation did I you know I'm not not sure what exactly was downloaded into Jesus's you know, brain before, but he was just a baby. I mean, he was a baby born just like you and I. I mean, he had no, there was no memory of, Mm -hmm. of, you know, conversation that he would have had with God before being born that, oh yes, this is what I'm supposed to do, but it would have been this. And that, so it was something I had to kind of shake Shake away, shake off, and um, yeah. What was that? What was that conversation like between the father and the son? You know, when uh, ev- clearly a decision, right. a decision. At some point, <laughs> I, I, I see. We, we, right off the bat, we get in trouble because we say at some time, right. at some point, but they don't live in time. time. Well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> right. But it, point. It, it's it's some way somehow there was a decision made that the son volunteer agreed to. Leave right. off the free exercise of his divine prerogatives, his powers. Yeah. He didn't cease being God, but he he left off the free exercise of his divine prerogatives 
And it, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2, and he took on flesh and he left yeah. off. The, he, he didn't count being equal with God as something to be grasped, but he, he let go of it and, and took on and became a man totally walking totally in submission and by faith and trust in, in the Father. And, and therefore earned the right to be our Savior. And that's what Satan was trying to tempt him to do, was to act of his own initiative and prerogative as God, and therefore be eliminated from being our Savior. He couldn't get... Our Messiah, right. Yeah, and so we He could be eliminated that, from being God. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but he could be eliminated from being our, Messi- our Messiah. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and, and that is, a, you know, when you think, too, to those early... Um, uh, the early promises of a coming Messiah. So, you know, God and Abraham even in going uh, through the the sacrifice, the animals and the covenant that he made with Abraham mm-hmm. and the realization of, well, God is the one that made that covenant. Yes. And God is the one that said he would keep the the covenant, even On if Abraham behalf. broke yes. it, that he would, he would uh-huh. you realize, well, it has to be, God then, who mm-hmm. who somehow saves us, so the Messiah is going to have to be God. Yes. <laughs> um, and but and then what? The, but that God could and would become man. I mean that is, that is the <laughs> that's the it part so that you just like really wow. It is it so is. beautiful. It really is. Isn't that what C. S. <laughs> Lewis wondered at the fact that if if God did become he a man, came he came into the story. He, he, yeah, he would not. He, no one would have made this up. You know, it was just beyond yeah. our creativity to make up a story like this. But uh, God yeah. became a man and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only uh, begotten of the Father. Well, there we are. I can't believe that flew by, but we, uh, I think we're into the kind of the core, the, the white-hot meat of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit about Mark, finish up our considerations of uh, the Gospel of Mark, and then we'll take a peek at the book of Joshua as we return to the Hebrew Scriptures. You're listening to The Bible Live. You can go to our website, thebiblelive.com, and you can find, uh, listen to the readings through the Bible every year with us. This week we'll be reading from the book of Joshua, thebiblelive.com. Go and uh, make the journey with us this year. We'll be back in just a moment, so you stay right where you are. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar? That your baby boy will 
question not only Mary has to answer, but uh, the disciples had to answer it. What is the nature of this, this Messiah, this Son of God? What is, what is he going to do? What can we expect from him? And what, what is going on here? Well, it truly, as we've discovered now from the Gospels and from the, the Scriptures, it, it, was the, it was nothing new, really. It was the same message. It was the same redemptive plan that God revealed all through the Hebrew Scriptures, but they had they had grown so distant from it in its, their understanding. But only when he came and he carried out his role and his purpose of living in the perfect life of faith and trust and obedience, submission to the Father, a man without sin. And then he who knew no sin became sin for us. He was that Lamb of God without blemish, without spot that atonement lamb that gave his life so that we could be reconciled to God, that we indeed could be brought, born again into new life and brought into the eternal family of God. That is, that is the person, that is the role of Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. We've looked at now at the Gospel of Matthew that explores Jesus uh, from the Hebrew perspective, uh, being... Uh, the the Messiah of Israel, uh, emphasizing the 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 prophecies that were fulfilled. Now, Mark mentioned some of those prophecies as well, but his emphasis is not on the the prophecies, uh, messianic prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. His emphasis is more or less: if God became a man in the Messiah, what did he live like? What what kind of person? And we see he was a servant-hearted humble, servant-hearted person who went around meeting needs. He poured out his life daily. And Mark's gospel is full of, of, of action. It moves from one person to another, one town to another, one experience to another in healing and, and giving hope and new life and salvation. And uh, this is what we see, a man who, who loves, who pours his life out daily and continually, consistently in benefit uh, of others, and he teaches his disciples to do the same thing, and that means you and me too, folks. We are, if we are followers of Jesus, uh, the Messiah, and we know Him, and we brought into the family of God, we too now have our uh, marching orders. We too are to live our lives as the Father sent Him, so Jesus has sent us to live out our lives, loving others, pouring out our lives in benefit of others. Uh, and ultimately in that spiritual realm of helping men and women come to know the God of the universe and come to be at peace with him and to know and to become part of the eternal family of God. That's um, It's a very practical book, the Gospel of Mark. There's nothing impractical about it. Uh, it it uh, talks about real life, real people, real needs, and real a real solution in that relationship right. with God. Go ahead, son. Amen. And yeah, well, and speaking of that, I, this will segue maybe into Joshua here, but, um, you know, Mark really does capture that human aspect of Jesus's life and the relational aspect. And, you know, Jesus was, his life was marked by um, by those relationships and by by just hands-on, boots-on-the-ground 
ministry mm-hmm. um, of healing, and of the, and you you go back and you look at um, I mean, well, you you go back to Joshua, or you go back and you look at his lineage, and I in in some of the reading from Joshua this week, um, you see Rahab, you know, and you look back at 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 Jesus's lineage, the human, you know, what, and it is, it is full of just mess, some, some messy situations, some, but, uh, but redemption too. And, uh, and then of course he is the ultimate redemption of all of, all of that, even, um, uh, lineage. And I don't know, I, it's, it's a, it's so. It is. How how blessed are we to be able to mm. have the scriptures, I guess, and to be able to see that thread from, I mean, from Joshua, from from the very beginning, from Genesis, and to who this Messiah is, and it makes just such perfect sense. Mm. But I love that we get to look at and read about Rahab <laughs> and yeah. her role, even in Jesus's. Life and and so many years earlier, Isn't that but it's just yeah. very yeah. It it just it makes so much sense. <laughs> like of of course, of course he. I mean it was, you know he didn't come into a perfect world and um and just make it more perfect. He came into a really broken world and he absolutely in full measure was our Messiah. I mean he's he is our Savior. He we have no hope <laughs> without him. And um, and it's just neat to you know to see that. And oh, of yeah. course, Rahab um, Rahab was used. I don't know if we were ready to go to, oh, yes, we to were. Joshua. That, so that I'm was, sorry. I could, not, I could have made it. Could not have made a better better segue actually oh, good. <laughs> from the reality of the New Testament and, and yeah. the Messiah, the Savior. We we let's do bounce back now about fifteen hundred years back to the people of Israel camped on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And Moses now has died. They have spent 30 days mourning. Well, he spent 30 days preaching to them. The book of Deuteronomy uh, basically is the uh, series of about four messages that Moses delivers to them on the east side of the Jordan. And then he dies. He leaves them. And they spend 30 days mourning his death, his passing. Uh, he has been their leader for 40 years, brought them out of Egypt, uh, their their forefathers at least, in terms of the men at least, uh, brought them out of Egypt. And then they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness while the first generation of men uh, died away. Now they come again back to this point of faith, this entrance into the promised land. Will they enter? Will they take God at his word? Will they uh, courageously trust God and move on across the Jordan, take that step of faith, uh, which we we think maybe it's easy in hindsight, but this uh, Jericho was a tremendous city, uh, a walled city. Mm -hmm. Uh, They say the walls were wide enough, 30 feet or, or more wide, uh, three chariots could go around the city, riding you know, abreast and side by side. These were this was a big walled, uh, defended city, and so the, the, this, faith is never without risk. Faith is always, it's always faith. It's always 
risky. It's always okay. You know, even the faith of Jesus, his faith had, it was faith. He did what he did. He believed it with all of his heart. He faced it Mm -hmm. courageously and bravely. But Father, into your hands, he said, I commend my spirit. You know, I'm, Mm. I have certainty. I believe with all my heart. I know, but okay, up to the last. And, and, And the same thing here. The people of Israel are going to have to go in, and they're going to have to go to battle. People are going to die. There's going to be, there's going to be warfare. And so, in these opening pa- chapters of the book of Joshua, uh, we have Joshua going. Uh, he, he goes to spend time with the Lord, and the Lord says, uh, "Don't be strong and courageous, Joshua, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land." And that wonderful. Several times he said, yeah. be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be very strong and cour- be courageous, strong and very <laughs> courageous. Uh, be careful to <laughs> obey all the instructions God gave Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. And that, that's we, we have these words, Joshua uh, receives this, be strong and courageous, <laughs> over and over. So faith means strength. It's risky. It's, it's yeah. And, and uh, knowing that even if we face death in this life, I mean, we believe, and that's our hope, of course, that, that this, this life is not what it's all about. It's all about uh, that, that God in that spiritual dimension, that spiritual realm, and that spiritual relationship we have with him. It resonates into this life. It has earthly consequences and effects, uh, but not always perfectly, um, not always, we, it might not always be exactly what we think it's going to be. You know, we think it, maybe it's going to be all roses and everything good, but it, it, it isn't. You know, at times it involves, it, the only one who ever did it perfectly was Jesus of Nazareth. And he ends up on a cross at age 33. So, it's, And we're told to take up our cross. Yeah, and, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm, so it's a life mm-hmm. of pouring out our lives in benefit of others. Well, let's move from Mark. It's hard to do because I love the full-blown light of Messiah. Just It's, it's so wonderful yeah. to dwell in that light of who he was and what he did. And, oh, we saw, and you're right. We are very fortunate to live in this age, in this era, uh, of the, yeah. the the era the time of the church these are called the last ever since Jesus ascension these are called biblically even what are called the last days uh, this last the church age uh, the the age of the Holy Spirit and we are privileged to live now and see the harvest we are seeing things that men and women from every nation every tribe every language all around planet Earth. There are those who worship God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and and follow Jesus, the Messiah. It, it's just astounding that we get to live in this age. But also that has not only a thrill and excitement for which we should be grateful, but also it has a challenge to be the people of this age and era. I was just reading. I, I will mention one other thing from Mark. In that chapter, mm-hmm. uh, one of the la- last chapters, Jesus discusses what it's like uh, when he returns. And he, and he says that, you know, there'll be a lot of counterfeits. There'll be people claiming to be, but he says, uh, he says, don't let them, don't be, don't be fooled. When I come back, everybody's going to see it. It's going to be clear. 
don't be don't be deceived by any uh, false uh, messiahs. When I come back, everybody's going to see me, and it will be dramatic, and it will be clear uh, that I have returned. And so it was. Uh, it was really. A, 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 it really speaks to us in the age and the time in which we live. That we we now are to be looking for Him, looking for the return of the Messiah. In the same way, we don't want to miss and be wrong. In the same way that people missed Him and were wrong uh, the first time He came. We want to be aware of the fact. And one thing I like, clear scripture that Jesus gave in Matthew 24 was uh, this gospel will be preached in all the world, to all the nations. And then mm-hmm. Jesus says the end will come. And so, wow, we may be living in that in that era, that time, because indeed the gospel is closer to being proclaimed and preached. And this little thing we call yeah. the Internet is filled with a lot of things we don't like. <laughs> One of the things it does carry is the gospel of Jesus is there for people Mm -hmm. all over the world to discover and hear in their own language. It really is. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go back to uh, let's go back to Joshua. Stacy, Joshua is a real bridge between now uh, up till now in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. We we see God dealing. We see from the beginning the creation of the world, Adam and Eve. We see God calling Abraham uh, in, in uh, chapter 12, and we begins to develop the redemptive plan. We see it taking shape, uh, and at that time, it is indeed a worldwide. It, it isn't centered in a person or in a family or in a particular uh, genetic people group. Uh, it's it's God's love for the whole world and the whole planet for all humanity. And it's always been that way, and it remains that way even through the Old Testament. All through the Old Testament, it was never just about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the children of Israel. And, and this. It, it was about them, but ultimately it was always about the world, as you clearly stated before, Stacy. But at the same time, we have now uh, God begins to give us a an object lesson. We get a, a an earthly view and lesson as he deals with this people group uh, of those to whom he uses as an instrument of revelation of himself. He deals with them and works with them and in them and with them and through them and around them. And we get a picture of God. We learn things about our relationship with God as we see how they related to God and, and how God dealt with them. So we, we pick that up in a, in a powerful way now at, here at the River Jordan, when Joshua takes these people now, they, they've been brought out of Egypt for a reason. They were brought out to go in. And so they, they, this, they were to go for a promise to go into this promised land. And as they do so, we've got to realize that, that this, that's the context of this experience. And even Rahab that you spoke of, even Rahab, when, when the spies, Joshua's, uh, send some spies to see wh- what the uh, defense of, of of Jericho was like and what they might be facing. And, and even Rahab said, we heard about how God brought you out of Egypt. And Now, this is 40, mm-hmm. 40 years later. She may have been a little girl when she heard, they heard the stories of God taking this people, uh, 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 these descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob from Canaan they came out of. And God taking them out of Egypt. So 
they knew about this. They knew about the God who brought them out. And uh, Rahab remembered that. The stories had been passed down to them, and they, they still had memory of them. So it, it is quite interesting. And in what you say is true is that Rahab, this uh, we see early in these chapters of, of Joshua, this woman named Rahab, uh, either a uh, perhaps dealing and reduced to harlotry in her life or, or maybe just a tavern keeper or serving. Uh, the, the wording is not exactly clear. But uh, we, we do know that she, she is a follower. She is one who believes in, in the God that um, Joshua serves and the people of Israel serve. And, and she actually is preserved and is said, it's said to married into and became a part of Israel. She became That's a part amazing. of the people yeah. of God. And it is thought Talk about that, strong and courageous. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it's a Jewish, Jewish tradition says that she married Joshua, actually. Um, yes, and I've always liked that idea, too, <laughs> from a woman. I, I yeah, think that's yeah, a sweet kind of little, romantic. I like it. Yeah, yeah. We, we like it. Uh, yeah. A, a, makes a good movie, doesn't it, for sure. Well, well <laughs> yeah. okay, we, we come now to Joshua. Uh, before, Moses spent, sent 12 spies into Canaan. Um, and they, uh, they, he changed Joshua's name from Hosea to Joshua, mm-hmm. meaning, uh, the Lord's salvation. Hosea means salvation. Joshua makes the Lord, the object, the Lord of salvation or the Lord is our salvation. So it moves it from the general theme of salvation to makes God the object and the source of our salvation. Yeah. And then God tells him, now study my word. Pay attention to my... This is a, a time when the scriptures, now that they are written, Moses has written the first five books right. of the scripture. Now he says, God tells him, study my word. Remember my commandments. Remember mm-hmm. what Moses has written now. And, and, and no, he, he says, meditate on God's word day and night. And, and, and if God is telling Joshua this when there are only five books, I mean, how much more would he tell us that now that we have 66? <laughs> right. yeah, we need to know right. this book and live in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, and so, then obey it. <laughs> I, 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 oh, yeah. There's that little deal, that little, <laughs> that little detail of obeying oh. it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it's not just a mental or uh, academic study. It's We're to... Trust him and obey him, right? That's right. Exactly right. right. Well, we, so uh, Rahab is there. That he sends spies there uh, to find out what it would be like. And, and she helps protect those spies in chapter 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, she asks that they lives, their lives be spared in the battle for Jericho. And they gave her a scarlet thread, a scarlet rope that would hang from her window. And they were to stay inside that room. It becomes a picture of redemption there. Stay in this room is where you're saying in Christ, you know, in that hidden behind the scarlet, behind the Mm -hmm. scarlet rope. Uh, It's it's amazing how that theme comes out so very many times that salvation and and scarlet, you know, the the scarlet of blood, you know, the the, again, you see that idea. And so they're mm-hmm. they're preserved. They're safe. Like the, um, very Passover. Very reminds me of the 
Passover and, and the security yeah. of the the blood on the the blood on the door sill. Door pe- yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly right. Over and over again, we see that. Uh, so mm-hmm. they they go into uh, in these first five chapters, we see them going into. The, we don't see them actually go into attack uh, um, Jericho until chapter six, but they follow the commands there. Remember what God had told them to. When they go into battle, the, the, the priests are to go before them with the trumpets and the sound. Well, they, they follow those same commands here. And, and so Joshua is doing good. Mm-hmm. He's, he's reading, meditating the word <laughs> that Moses left them. And he's, uh-huh. they're following his commands uh, in his uh, instructions. And so they go in and they uh, have this amazing victory. Um, let's see what other things that we move in the first five chapters, we see that the 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 groundwork is laid. This is somewhere around fourteen fifty, uh, fourteen hundred and fifty years before Christ. Um, they've just spent forty years wandering in the wilderness. Now they're going in. Now this is a marked bridge from the time of Moses and the, and the early formation. You know the nation building that you've referred to several times. Now mm-hmm. these. The 12 tribes here, they're identified. They understand who their God is. They have their marching orders. They have the Ten Commandments. They have their festival days. They, they are a nation without a land. <laughs> and, and now God yeah. brings them into this land that he promised to them 400 years mm-hmm. earlier in Genesis chapter 15 to Abraham. And now it's, it's going to happen. So they're going to be at battle, at war here for about 25 or 30 years. Uh, the time they go in to Jericho, and then they're going to be in open war, and then they will, each of the tribes will be released to go back, and each of the tribes will be left to clear out their particular little corner of the promised land. Uh, they work together, they all battle together to conquer the land, and then each of the tribes is to go and take over the land that was allotted to them. Uh, and, and we'll see that. And then we're going to enter, after the book of Joshua, we're going to enter into the, the time of the judges. Uh, and that is, they didn't go immediately to a central government. You know, Joshua didn't remain. Right. The, each of the tribes continued to govern itself individually, a little bit like states' rights. And then they go into this long period of over 300 years with the judges of Israel. And right. then they get their first king. So just to give people a little bit of a look at the uh, the terrain that we've covered and what we, where we are right now in Joshua and where we're headed in the book of Judges. Well, thanks, everybody, for being with us tonight. Good night, Stacy. Good night. Thank you. Have a good week. See you next Sunday, everyone. Good night. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast.
You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.